0: question is for Brandon how quickly can we get this up on the website so we can do it (laughs) no I just wanted to say thank you thanks so much for coming and I was really impacted by a lot of stuff but definitely I think I want to be more like Jesus and ask Jesus questions I think uh, a lot of the times I can
1: you know want to share what I
0: think share my perspective and I have this but I really you know I want to ask more questions and even this morning talking to you, I like, hey, how are you feeling today? How are you, yeah. you know, thank you for your courage in yeah. coming here. And how are you feeling? instead of she yeah. what I was feeling. So anyway, thank you so much for sharing and I look forward to being up soon. You're
2: awesome. Thank hey, you, man. you. come on. Awesome. Great, thank you. Thank you, that was an easy question. Thank you. So here's an open-ended
3: question. Great. Uh, have you written these things
4: down?
2: Have I written these things That's down? Things down. Uh, yes, there, yeah, these are. Uh, so I have a group of lessons. Um, I'm not advertising my coming back up here. My region wants to see me for a little while. But um, I have a group of lessons, yes, and this is one. This is Roller Coaster of Love is the first in a series of lessons on race. And how are they available? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the most the recent Valley one Pioneer one. Valley has some, uh, Pin- the Pioneer Valley Church of Christ, uh, the Boston. Church of Christ, uh, the downtown ministry of the Boston Church of Christ posted two lessons uh, in the last couple of weeks uh, called A Christian Response to Racism. Uh, the first one I preached, the second one my older brother Van Owens preached. So uh, so yeah, they're, they're available on uh, the downtown region's Facebook page. You're welcome. Hello. Hi. Hey, Wade. Wade. Wade used to be in my karate class. I used to teach Wade Karate. Um, so I,
1: I guess I have a completely formulated question, but um, what would you recommend to, uh, so I'll just share from my experience, there are certain times where I have felt Mm-hmm. But you can't really tell. It's like this weird mm-hmm. kind of like yes. that situation. Yes. And especially when it's somebody who is not striving to live like Jesus. Right. How do you go about that situation? Because I find that happening fairly often.
2: Yeah. Me too. Um, so I'm
1: not sure what to do with those types. of
2: So they hurt. Um, you know, I have I have this uh, I have this theory. Um, and uh, that racism has kind of two forms. One is a ghost. It's just a ghost. And one is flesh and bone. Flesh and bones are actually easy because you can say, that was racism. The ghost feels exactly like that, but then it may not have been, and you never know. You never, when you, uh, you know, People say, I've seen a ghost. They don't know you. you. don't know you see a ghost. If it looks like everybody else, you don't know. So, so I would say, for me, what I do is I talk to, I've had to train the brothers and sisters around me. I've had to train um, the, uh, just for my own sake, I've had to train the brothers around me to, to not, if I tell you that something felt like racism, please don't give me a logical explanation. Because racism is a logical explanation. So don't do that. Wow. Just accept what I say. And come alongside me and feel it with me. Because there's nothing we can do. There's nothing we can do except to communicate with, about it with disciples, with people who we're close to, people who love us. And for those of you who might hear a uh, Daryl or a Wade come to you and say, I, you know, I was in the coffee shop this morning and, and it felt like this, this girl was discriminating against me. Just listen and don't give us a logical explanation. Don't tell me she's probably having, maybe she's having a tough day because I'm there all the time and I've never felt that. Well, you're white. You wouldn't feel that. Um, so, so I would say be open, develop, cultivate a group of people that you can talk to and train them to, to be able to hear you. And if you're one of those people, be ready to hear and accept the incident and don't try to logically explain it because that hurts, that's, that's pain on top of pain.
0: I guess I just want to follow up to that question. What are some what are some incidences where maybe some common where our brothers and sisters or other people may feel that ghost?
2: Okay. Um, I don't know. I, sometimes I go to Best Buy to buy something. I do okay. Uh, I, have a, I have a fairly decent income, but I go to Best Buy to buy something, and the people that work at Best Buy might ask me, can I help you ten times? in a 30-minute shopping spree, 10 times, 10 times. And once, I was shopping at Best Buy in Dorchester, and this kid comes up to me, and he goes, sir, can I help you? And it was like the fourth time someone, and I was like, yeah, you can help me. Leave me alone, man,
1: yeah. And you know
2: what his answer was? I'm just following protocol. And I said, go get your manager, son. Go get your manager. I want to talk to him about this protocol. Oh, I'm sorry. He must have misunderstood. We told him to watch out for certain kinds of people. Stop. Go get your manager. So, so this is real. That's that's the kind of thing that could be the ghost. Um, being, uh, uh, being, having, walking into a restaurant in a nice community that's not exactly a mixed community, and having you and your family being escorted to the farthest table from every single thing in creation in the restaurant. And we wonder, like, I wonder if that's because I look like I look, or, or we are who we are. I, I wonder. That's, and it could, be, it could be that waitress's turn to get some customers. It could be. But it could be the fact that the owner doesn't want four black people sitting in front of a restaurant. We don't know. But those are the kind of things that happen that make us question. Being, uh, being ignored. Um, I, I don't know, Gwen, you might not remember this, but the other night Gwen and I were at this wedding and we were talking and we were having a deep conversation. I mean, I was almost in tears and this girl walked up to us in the middle of our conversation and she goes to Gwen. She didn't even, she didn't even say anything to me. I'm obviously older than Gwen. she didn't say a word to me Hi, I love your dress. Will you come over here and take pictures of me and my boyfriend? And I was mid-sentence. Gwen obliged, which I appreciate. She's she's kind enough to. Oblige. And Gwen came back and apologized to us. I'm so sorry. But it left me wondering, what was that? Like, what was it? Was it the big R or was it the ghost? I don't know. So those are situations that we're put in, that we we go. Well, what was that? It's like, I always describe it as like walking through a cobweb, you know? Like if, you, if you're in your basement and you walk through a cobweb, you just kind of go,
1: what? <laughs> <laughs>
2: what? was that, right? That's how, that's how this feels. Like when you walk through a racist incident, you go, wait, was that, was that what I think it was? And you don't know. So, so yeah, that's, Thank you. amen. Barbara?
3: One of the points you made, really opened my eyes and made me think, you said that when you were young, that you were told to be afraid of white people because they're very mistrusting, and yeah. And I think growing up in New England, I shared with you guys yesterday that I didn't realize until I was an infant as a Christian, my mom brought me to church, that there was just a diverse group of amazing disciples, and she was very afraid of them. So I think one of the things I'm learning... And as a disciple, I think once I became a disciple, like, that's just out the window. But I don't realize that the brothers and sisters that are not white may be afraid, may not trust. You know, and I think the one thing that's super encouraging is um, that when we love like Jesus, we don't see color. And like I shared, we have like two or three couples coming up that are not white. They're just my best friends, and I forget the colors. But I appreciate sharing that. Because it, even in my workforce, I don't think there's anyone that's not white, and so my my heart is like, remember that, like step out there and just
2: love. Yeah. You Amen. Know? Amen. Thank you, Barbara. You pick them, Brandon.
1: <laughs>
0: um, so I, I just wanted to. I guess I have like a weird type of question, but... Are you complaining
2: about me not liking mumble rap? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs)
1: Uh, I just wanted to
0: know, like, I think I grew up in a... Like, I was the, like, one black kid out of whatever, so I kind of get used to whatever, the uncomfortableness or whatever, and so I don't really see that type of stuff, or it's not that I don't see it, it's just, like, I'm used to it, so I feel like I'm someone that doesn't really say anything Mm -hmm. as much, and then there's other people on the other side that say, every time they experience something, they're, like, blah, 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 so I'm, like, I'm wondering, is there a happy medium of when you should be talking or when you should be saying something, or should we, like... I don't know, take it person by person be like more loving about like I don't know how to kinda of handle this. Are you
2: specifically referring to like like joking and stuff?
0: Or or it could just it
2: could just be yeah,
4: or, I guess it's on a smaller scale. Or it could
2: right? be exposure. So yeah. So here's what I think about joking. I think that sometimes sometimes joking is is very innocent and but and there's a relationship there. Like um My friends and I don't. My 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 Christian friends and I don't don't engage in that kind of joking. We we really don't. Uh, But I think they know I'm black, and I know some of them are not. So we talk about things like that all the time, Um, and sometimes we laugh. Like I can tell them about some of my experiences as a black man, and it's so funny to them that they'll laugh. But I think that there's a there's a fine line that some some joking can be hurtful. I think that uh, impersonations are hurtful, um, especially uh, I've corrected friends of mine who, who decide to, I don't know, just start talking like another ethnicity. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, that's how she sounded. I, okay. But we're just having a conversation. You don't have to do a caricature of her as you tell me the story. <laughs> Just tell me the story, bro. Right. And if there's a bond of love between us, we're still good. Yeah. And if there wasn't, it's put to the test. And we have more to talk about. But uh, I, I just think that we have to. Um, I think that you can judge by your closeness and by your comfortability in these situations. But just imagine that joke being said. Imagine you take whatever friend or whomever to, to your family's home in, in Ohio for Thanksgiving and would you feel comfortable with them making that same joke? Probably not. So you have to kind of say, hey, man, just to let you know, I'm going to follow up on something you said when we were together. I love you, man, but here's how it hit my heart. And it made me struggle a little bit, and I want to ask you not to do that again. And, and if they can't deal with it, then you just got something to talk about. And you've, and you've made these, these brother-to-brother relationships. I believe God wants us to make them rocky sometimes. So that we can be unified and together in heaven, I, I believe we gotta Man. we gotta rock the boat a little bit, and we gotta make them rocky, so we can be unified. The, 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 if, if your goal is unity, I think you can talk about anything. their abilities and talents. So so that can be that us Can I ask you how old how old you are? Oh, 26. Hey Amen. I'm glad you asked that question. 26. Let me tell you something. There are there are there are and I and I say 26 in celebration because because my candle is, you know, my torch is going to be extinguished probably before yours. If we just do the raw math, I'm 53. I'm old enough to be your dad. So it's good for me to hear a question from 26 saying, how can I do this? And my answer is go. Go. You know what your talents are. Don't be afraid to, uh, to talk about what your talents are because you didn't do it anyway. God gave them to you. You know what your talents are. You know what your heart is for, for young people. Just go. Go to a boys and girls club somewhere. These guys work at one. Go to a boys and girls club, a YMCA, an after school program. Let them know completely who you are and that you just want to spend some time. One of the things that I want to do that I'm going to do on April vacation is to start a gentleman's school. And I'm going to teach, I'm going to teach young boys how to shine their shoes, how to tie a necktie, and how to order a dinner at a restaurant. And that's, that's what I'm going to do. And, and it's just going to be a little something that I do with them so that they can carry a skill outside. And we're going to talk about how to behave, what volume level you should use in a public establishment before we go there. And we're going to go and we're going to just amaze and impress the staff at whatever restaurant I take them. So something like that is just a start. And when you start, you're gone. You're just going to do it for the rest of your life. So start. Thanks for that question. That's encouraging. How do you talk to your kids about
4: race?
2: My kids have taught me more about race than I could ever teach them. My, my daughters have taught me more about this topic. My, kid, my, my two daughters and the rest of my children, uh, like this young lady over here that I just threatened everybody not to mess with a little while <laughs> ago, have taught me more about this topic than I could ever teach them, but what I do teach them I do. I do opposite of what my mother did. We go and we take space in other people's homes. They have eaten every kind of food that we've eaten. They have eaten. We go. We have eaten all kinds of food, and we will try the porcupine. We we go. We have since they were little girls. We were taking them to Indian, Vietnamese, Japanese, African, uh, Nigerian. We, all of our friends can cook for us. My daughters have tried everything, and we teach them that every culture is amazing. And, but, but about these ideas, I think my daughters have written more of it than I have.
1: hope this
0: isn't hope coming out wrong, but in your own department being
1: a police officer, if you had to deal with it, phone a policeman. Being... It's just to you, and how you
2: them in love? <laughs> 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 he, does, he just he directed me the way he wanted the question go. How do you correct them in love? <laughs> I haven't always done that. Um, uh, most of the time now, you know, there's something, about, there's something about being 50 years old that you're grown up. I mean, it's a—it's official. That's like—it's <laughs> official. So, if someone someone says something like, I, you know, I do have, I have, I, I love my coworkers. I know this is it may be hard for some of you to hear, but I love the police officers in Boston. Uh, for the most part, some of them I don't like so much, but I I love them. We have we have a real bond. Some of us have been through. Um, have been through some really bad things together. Um, I do have a friend that was, in his in his mind, slipping and saying racist things often, or making racist jokes often. And one day, you know, he came to work and I was just sitting in his office. And he goes, "What are you doing here?" I said, "We got to talk." And he said, "What about?" I said, "Your slips of the tongue." I said, "It's time to train your tongue, man." Like. This is 2000, it was 2015. I said, this is 2015. You can't be spouting off like that. You're going to hurt somebody. He said, has it hurt you? I said, you you haven't been offensive towards my ethnic group, but the ethnic groups that you're offensive toward, it's so poignant that it makes me wonder what you're doing when I'm not here. So I would like for you to stop altogether. And he apologized and stopped, but we have a relationship. Other guys... I don't know them. I'm just like, keep it moving, bro. So, I mean, so that maybe not the most loving thing, but I can't correct every every racist notion. I have some I have some racial prejudice notions that I have to do that to in my own heart. So so I can't I cannot save them from their sin unless they become disciples, and I know that. So. Um, Hi. Hey. Good. Uh, my question
0: is:
3: Do you still uh, have that fur coat? <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know, let me tell you something about that coat, man. Let me tell you something about so. So my father had a a, a nineteen seventy two Cadillac Braum. And it was called the Solid Gold Edition. I remember that. It was It was gold. The, the Cadillac was gold. I thought it was just a dry cleaner. The Cadillac was gold. It had white wheels. It had a white leather interior. I had a little black fur coat and a fur hat to go with it. I wore it like that. Like... So no, I don't have it. I don't have it. So, just
0: so, uh, yeah. uh, my uh, other question is: um, <laughs> Some people are like super terrified to talk to people with who have different skin color. How do you like start a conversation about this topic with those
2: type of people? Hmm. Ask them good questions. Mm-hmm. I would. I. I think to ask if you feel like someone is. Um, someone is naturally kind of predisposed to discriminate against you, I think a good question is, hey, how did, how did you grow up? I, I want to know you a little bit better. How did how, you grow up? What was your experience like growing up? And let them tell you. And then, you know, if that's, if that's the topic that you want to bring up, what did you, what did you guys learn about relationships or dealing with people who are not like you racially, because this is what my experience has been. Remember the porcupine question. She said, to me, this is this. How is it to you? So there has to be some vulnerability. If you just go up to somebody and say, hey, man, I want to know how you feel about black folks, it's not going to go well. <laughs> but if you, if, you, if you say, you know, how'd you grow up? What was your experience like? You know, and you say, I'd like to know what your experience was like around the issue of race because this is what it was like in my family. That's a really good opening. So it's it's asking a question out of concern. It's an exposure and vulnerability. And then it's collecting information from them. That's, that's, I think that's the way to do it. That's the way I've done it. And it's it's been really powerful. And I've got some really, some great, great best friends. In fact, when my, I got, I had this real nervous time when my daughters were born you know my wife my wife is mixed race but my daughter's my daughter's skin is brown like ours and I can remember I was at breakfast with Gwen's dad his name is Phil and I was saying I've got to teach my daughters to be better than everybody else I've got to teach them to be smarter and stronger and Phil this pretty stoic guy just started crying wow. and, and I said what are you crying for he's like you're so hurt this has hurt you so much, you can't pass this pain to them. You have to stop. You have to, you have to teach them to love people, to accept people. Teach them to be good, but t- don't teach them to be good because they're black. Just teach them to be good. And that really changed and impacted my parenting of Jordan and Haley. And, and it wouldn't have happened if he wasn't brave enough to go, stop this. So, so these relationships have real power. And I was reacting out of how I was raised. But Phil reacted how, about, out of how he was raised, and it was a great time. And to this day, he's one of my best friends on the planet. Yeah, I have one more question. A follow up. All right. So
0: your story about, like, a lady switching over her purse. Yeah. When that happens, right, do you, like, confront that person? No, no,
2: no. no. Uh, you know, I can't, because you know why? Because, man, I'd be confronting everybody. And sometimes... Sometimes it could be the ghost, right? Sometimes she could have switched that, she could have switched it because she had rotator cuff surgery, right? I don't know, but I just know how it feels. So, so no, I don't. I, have to, I'm, I walk around conscious that there is a ghost of racism and that I'm afraid of it and that a lot of things, even some things that aren't racist are going to feel that way. So I can't indict every person that might be doing those things that I don't like.
1: Uh, I have a question. Okay. Uh,
0: my question. Try to analyze everybody's question. So when Mario was saying uh, he grew up being in a very diverse community in a very wide group somehow, and then he trying to understand how he can be able to explain those issues maybe to other groups. So I, I've been in this country for seven years, and then to be honest, I don't know how yeah. uh, Somehow I do make jokes, and I don't know if those jobs make me offensive. So how do I know if uh, I'm trying to offend somebody, or how can I uh, ask good questions? Like you, you, talk about asking questions and ask about. Yeah. And sometimes in Maine, it's very, very white community. So sometimes they never experience. As, as myself, never experienced this white community. I mean, ask themselves if someone never experienced. How
1: can I uh, ask those questions
2: without being offensive or being I think, that's a great, I think that's a great question. I would say one by one. You can't, uh, I wouldn't try to tackle a whole group of people. I would, I would talk to people as you make friendships with individuals. And again, like I told the brother two seats down from you, expose your own experiences. Talk to them about how it was to grow up where you came from in Africa. And tell them, you know, even tell them that story. Like that's a that's a great little anecdote. Like I didn't even know I was black because I'm only from Africa, and and everybody looks like me. That's a great thing to say, and it's it's great to expose that, and then to ask people um, to help to help you to understand how it is to be in this country, and how they react to people who don't look like that. I think it's a, I, I think it's great. I mean, I, so. A great question, and I didn't really spell it out strongly when I preached the sermon, but that porcupine question from the woman, she exposed herself first, and then she asked a question about his experience. I think that's what you have to do, and one by one, friend by friend.
0: Okay, my question is about social media.
2: Ah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm
0: wondering if you can maybe give some positive examples of using social media, and talk about whether, because you did talk about um, using our deeds more than our words, and I appreciate that. But is there a place for Christians to use social media in a positive way, And like, in your opinion, and maybe some examples of that?
2: Yeah, I think, um, I think social media can be used very positively. I think if social media is, first of all, here's I have a couple of convictions about the use of it. I, I'll get to your question backwards. I think there's a couple of things that we should not do. Um, First of all, I I don't think that Christians should be uh, posting uh, racially divisive or incendiary stuff on a group page at all, zero. If it's not your page and you're not in charge of content and everybody just gets notified when you post, it's not fair for you to just send, to drop a bomb on a page just to have an argument. In fact, saying something in order to have an argument is sinful. To say something in order to have an argument is a sin. It is sinful. Christians should not engage in that behavior. I do think, though, it is powerful if you're exposing your own experiences if you are expor- exposing your own experiences, things that happen to you, I think that as Christians, we've got to be careful about naming names and even places that we've had negative experiences. But I think being able to say, hey, this is what happened to me today, and I'm hurting, it elicits help. However, we have to acknowledge that posting on social media is not a conversation. It is one way. If I post something on social media, you don't get to see my eyes. You guys know how I feel about my teen academy that I talked about, right? How do I feel about that? I love it because you saw what happened to my face and my voice when I spoke about it, right? You saw that it almost brought me to tears talking about it. You can see that. Social media, you cannot see that. And so, it is, it is not a conversation. It is, though, communication that has to follow biblical guidelines if you call yourself a disciple of Jesus. Amen. You cannot, Matthew 18 doesn't say if your brother sins against you, post about it. And tell 300 of them. It doesn't say that. Matthew 18 says, go to him. And going to him means putting your feet on the ground if you're physically able to, and going. Jesus was not talking about social media. So I think an effective use of social media is to be a... I'm a a storyteller on social media. That's what I do. I tell stories on social media. And I get reactions from my stories, and sometimes my stories have a little bit... they're, They're true. They really happen to me. But I'm trying to... I'm trying to just put my heart out there, and I'm trying to inspire people with my stories. If you're you're a bomb tosser on social media, you're probably in sin. If you're you're just saying things to get into arguments on social media, you're probably in sin in this area. And I'd be glad to talk to you. I know Glenn would be glad to talk to you. There's many people in this room that would be glad to talk to you. But you need to repent if that's who you are. Does that answer your question? Kind of back ways, sideways, front ways. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: I think so. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, it's big. It's big. Yes, sir. Um, hey man, when would you come up here? <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Wait, what? when would you come up here? Used to be in our region, man.
1: Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, yes. right. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I just had a question. Okay. When you were going after your career. Uh huh. Um, how did you handle the pressure of like not falling under you know those negative stereotypes of being like an African American?
2: Well, you know, it's something that I was. My mother, you know, my mother made some mistakes when we were growing up, but uh, one of the things that she always She always did for me was to say, would a leader do that? Would a leader do that? Would a leader follow the crowd? Would a leader... um, I would ask her, hey, uh, the guys are going to go sit in Franklin Park, which is a big park right in the middle of Boston. The guys are going to go sit in one of our cars in Franklin Park, and we're just going to hang out and talk. She's like, Daryl, she called me Daryl Wayne. Daryl Wayne, they're not going to go there and talk. Are you the leader of that group or not? And I would say, I'm the leader. She said, well, either... If they go, would their leader go with them? She said, they're probably not going up there for any good. So my mother always instilled in me the value of, of being an independent and thinking independently. And so when I got into to the police department, I didn't get caught up in a lot of... I didn't get caught up in either culture. Like, I didn't get caught up with my, my African-American friends. I didn't get caught up with my white friends. I just wanted my badge. I just wanted to do good work. And I... Um, being, my family being on the other side of the criminal justice system when I was a kid and my father not being available for us, I was committed to being a good man and a good father I was since I was when I was nine years old, I prayed that God would help me be a good man and a good father and so I, my mother helped me there God helped me and I just kept my I kept my mind focused on doing right so that's how I didn't get caught up. So, so um, you said a couple times the big R. Racism, yeah. Yeah. Um, how, especially on campus, um, I've,
3: I've had conversations with people where I'll, like, see something. Like, obviously people in the world where I see something, I'm like, hey, I don't necessarily think that was, like, the best thing to say or best approach.
1: Should I use the terminology racism or racist? Because as soon as I've said something, like, oh, I think that might have been racist. It's like, whoa, 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 I'm not racist, bro. And so I'm not sure, like, correct terminology. Um, because you said, it like, the big R. But then you said other things, too. Like, yeah, it's well,
2: I, it's racism. And yeah. racism is a sin. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I think you have to ask yourself, how do you generally deal with sin in uh, in a non, with non-Christians? How do you do that? I mean you go up and tell non-Christians that you think they're in sin, are you in the regular practice of doing that? If you are, you're going to have a rough evangelistic experience. I I mean, I know I'm making light of it, but I, I think that in our hearts and minds, brothers and sisters, we have to strongly categorize racism as sin. It's not just a family habit. It's not just this thing that makes some of us feel uncomfortable and some of us not feel uncomfortable. It's not just someone's upbringing or or social experience, it is a sin. So we have to deal with it. The primary place where you are called by God to deal with sin is in this fellowship and in in the fellowship of brothers and sisters. The way you deal with uh, racism and other sins in a non-church community is by sharing your faith and preaching the gospel. You don't have to correct. If you try to correct every single sinful behavior, of people who have not surrendered their life to Jesus, they're always going to say that. Like, go try to tell, like you said to me, say, hey, bro, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not a racist. Go try to tell some guys who you think are drinking too much. Hey, guys, you know what? I think, that, I think three beers is enough. Hey, bro, I'm not an alcoholic, right? <laughs> tell some guys that you, I don't know, that you think are stealing something. Hey, I saw you put that in your pocket. Hey, I'm not a, I'm not a thief, right? So they're always, people in the world are always going to deny the sin that you confront. Yeah. So just make your discipling with disciples. Otherwise, for non-disciples, preach the word. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen.
4: Yeah. What? Hi. Um, thank you so much for being
2: here. Today. You're welcome. <laughs> um,
4: so I don't know if this has already been asked, but um, I... So I grew up in a very diverse area, I grew up in Philadelphia, and, um, you know, like going to school, in elementary school, I was, the amount of kids that were white in the class was even with all the other races, That's great. and, um, but now that I have a set of my own and we live in Maine, I realize that he doesn't have that experience that I had, you know, he's in preschool now, and he's in a class of 16, and they're all white, All of his teachers are white, and so I was just wondering if you had any advice um, for those of us who are parents, just to, if there's anything practical we can do to help our kids, you know, um, just be more aware and you know, just grow up with a sense of loving all types of people, other than just, like, the personal example of us treating others equally. But
3: yeah, anyway,
2: that's my question. <laughs> my wife's gonna come up, but what I'll say, I want eat the food. Make 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 food from other cultures and eat it and, and have and have your brothers and sisters who are from diverse cultures in this room come over and cook and eat the food and and maybe wear some of the clothes and tell and teach him about that and preteen camp is coming quickly, so that's that's a wonderful thing too. Go ahead. Barbara wants to say something about
4: that. And I also think that um, books are windows and mirrors. Mm, that's
1: great.
4: And so you can expose your child to diversity through the literature that you have in your home. Um, they can see themselves in books, but they can also see people who are vastly different than themselves. Um, and so that's something that I do as a teacher. I want kids to be able to see themselves in literature and in our classroom, but obviously not all classrooms are diverse. And I think that you, your son is privileged to be in this community. Yeah. And so I would build friendships and foster friendships in your home so that he is exposed, um, but certainly also in books. Thank
2: you. Mm-hmm. One more. Oh, I can't resist Danielle. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. Come on, Josh. Um,
1: <laughs> well, uh, my question was almost the way I've been brought up. I don't have respect for people who are this. Um, I just wanted to know how to like, empathize with them and have that respect for what you've been.
2: Yeah, well, women, women, yeah you know. Josh, I, I, first of all, thank you, Glenn and Danielle, for raising a boy that would ask that question. <laughs> Secondly, I would say, Josh, you know what? I, would, I, I think my answer over here to Tim was uh, treat it like you would other sinful behaviors and just learn to, it, one of the hardest lessons for, I know you're studying the Bible, but one of the hardest things for us to do is what God does all the time. He hates the sin but he loves the sinner and I, I wouldn't be here if he didn't do that for me. So it's okay to hate the sin and love the sinner. That does mean a couple of things that if if friends of yours are engaging in that kind of in racist talk, you can remove yourself from it and say, I don't roll like that boys and you know it and I'm out of here or and, and if there's one closest one that's closer to you, you can you can follow up with him when he's alone and say, Hey, man, that really hurts me. One of, some of my best friends are the people you're talking about. You should come to my church and see what I'm talking about. So I think that's how to do it. You got you to gotta preach the word, man.
0: Well, I just want to thank you again, bro. Thanks so much, man. Um, thank
1: you so much. I know. Um,
0: they are, have to go to awaken. But um, man, this was didn't you feel fed today? Amen. Yeah. And I'm full. I'm so full. It's awesome. It's so great. You got great questions. I think definitely this is the beginning of a discussion because I don't think that you know one one sermon is going to do it. Uh, but hopefully this will open up more discussion, more more uh, good questions, and uh, ultimately you know we're we're all trying to. Love one another right. Amen. and love the world uh, because the, that's what God wants us to do. So I thought we could end with a prayer and uh, then we'll have a great fellowship. But the Owens do need to just go. And so if you definitely have any questions that you'd like to ask them personally, I will de- definitely uh, get you in contact with them. Uh, but let's say a prayer as we, as we end today. Great God, we are so thankful for this time, Lord. Amen. Um, God, what up? Incredible Sunday this was, this definitely it's about my favorite Sunday, God, Amen. of the whole year. Amen. And uh, Lord, just to hear uh, this brother's convictions and Barbara's convictions, just to hear their hearts, God, as they serve their community. Uh, God, I thank you so much just for all the way that uh, Daryl has protected and served in his community Amen. as a police officer, Father, and Father, how he's protected and served the church, God. Uh, Lord, both ways he protects and serves. Even at teen camp, he protects and serves. And God, I'm grateful for, honestly, just the amazing miracle of how you, you turn us into people that help the oppressed. Yes. And not our oppressed. Amen. And this brother right here next to me is a walking miracle in that area. Amen. And I'm so thankful that he could share his convictions with us. Please oh, bless the trip down bless his family. Uh, God, please help us to uh, imitate uh, his faith and imitate Barbara's faith as, as they go on to help more people. Help us to be lights in this community. Amen. And uh, thank you so much for every single brother and sister in this room. Amen. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. amen.
1: amen. Thanks,